Hello, my friends, and welcome to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I am Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from New Jersey, but I am also the corn-picking farmer, too. We are well into our fresh market sweet corn harvest, and things are going as expected. On our place, that means all over the map. Unlike growing grain, I do not look at bushels or tons, but instead marketable ears. So first, there is the agronomic component of my crop, but then you need to be concerned with influences out of your control, as all farmers do. So far this year, my first plantings have been hit hard by squirrels near the hedgerow, which I expect, bears in the middle of the field, and blackbirds shredding the top of the husks by the silk. Collectively, these guys did a number on those plantings. The bears like to roll around in almost a circle and flatten everything. From the air, it must look like a small UFO has landed in the field. Maybe that's what the crop circles were years ago, right? The moms gather together and eat while the cubs go off to the side and take great pleasure in creating their own circles. I must admit, though, at least the bears eat all they knock down, and they do a nice job at that also. They roll the cobs around, they leave nothing on there. So they do a great job, those bears. Yeah, my wife Charlotte tells our customers that the sweet corn is bare approved. Yeah, we plant on 28-inch rows, and it is amazing how those big bears, we have some 750 to 800-pound males, but the moms are only about 550 pounds. Walk through those rows, and you would never know they were there. Not a stalk is damaged until you get to their picnic area. If you are familiar with my Idle Chatter podcast, then you know I love all animals, so I can't be mad at them. Disappointed, but not mad. I always pray over our crops each morning and ask the Lord to bless them as He sees fit. I recognize that I am only the steward of the land, and as the scriptures tell us in the book of Job, the Lord loves His entire creation. So I find peace in the damage that the bears and the other animals do. What else can you do but just give it to the Lord? But you did not come to Rural Radio Channel 147 to hear about the bears we share our place with, but instead discuss machinery. That is why I get with you every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern and then again on Sunday at 6 p.m. This is the place where steel and soil meet, and maybe a few bears also. I added a few pins in my listener map since we met last, so I want to give a big old Cat Swamp Road shout out to them. There is now a push pin in Grayside, Missouri, where Russell Orr, with Russell Orr's name on it, he raises rice and beans there. Dr. Keith Stearns gets two pins since he toggles back and forth between Alpine, Texas and North Pine Creek, Oregon, and listens in both areas. And now there is a second pin in Stewartsville, New Jersey, where the bar keeps getting moved. Not only is Reagan Barleyb a hot rod farm her, but my youngest listener at six years old. Reagan not only loves living on the farm with her hot rod farmer brother Sam, but she is in charge of the family's garden and is their sweet corn picker. Thankfully, Reagan is about 25 miles away from my place or she would definitely put me out of business. I want to thank all of you sincerely. I want to thank all of you for giving me the honor of putting some more pins in my map. Please know that I would love to hear from you too. Just email me at hotrodfarmer at farmmachinerydigest.com and let me know where you hail from. It's that simple. 
Well, 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 I spoke about everything but what the topic of the show is about. Sorry about that. But I look at all of you as family, and I get excited about catching up on things that are going on over here on Cat Swamp Road. But our discussion today will be about the differences between old and new diesel engines, mainly the fuel delivery systems. Whereas there used to be an injection, injection pumps and nozzles, today we have CR, or what they call common rail systems. There are some important things that you need to know about how these two diesel injection systems compare. In a special delivery segment, I have a letter from a listener with a good name, Ray. You'll get much better than that, right? And he, but he's from Idaho, I believe, not New Jersey. And he has a John Deere 8110 with a dead battery. And the toolbox test will get your thoughts on what is wrong with a sprayer. And remember, and don't forget, agriculture runs on machinery, but profits on reliability. Sirius XM is the home to the best in podcasts, including Toxic, the Britney Spears story. I'm Babs Gray. I'm Tess Barker. We're comedians. Britney fans. And Britney investigators. What do we want? Guardianship and conservatorship are really like a nuclear option. You press a button and everything is gone. It's opened our eyes to the flawed legal system that's allowed this to happen. We'll dive deeper than anyone ever has. Toxic, the Britney Spears story, is available now on the SXM app. Free for most subscribers. This is Sean Haney. If you're serious about ag, it's time to get real and get connected with Real Ag Radio. We'll talk markets, agronomy, machinery, and cover the real-time issues affecting farmers and ranchers in Canada and all of North America. It's your go-to source for the latest ag news impacting producers on both sides of the 49th parallel. Get real and get connected with Real Ag Radio at 4.30 Eastern, and don't miss the replay at 7 in the morning on Rural Radio 147 and the Sirius XM app. If you're like me, it's all about the great outdoors. Hunting, fishing, camping, hiking, biking, cooking, campfires. I love it. This is Beck, your host of the Bend Radio Show. Join me every week as we get the latest outdoor news and updates. We have hacks and gadgets. Plus, hear the stories from the backcountry that empowers all of us. Catch Beck if you can every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time right here. Rural Radio, Channel 147 on Sirius XM. Break out the hot dogs and the firecrackers. It's the 4th of July. Hey, I'm Billy Kinder, host of Kinder Outdoors. You'll hear the show Saturday mornings at 9 Eastern, right here on Rural Radio Channel 147. And helping us celebrate our nation's independence this weekend is Senator Ted Cruz. He shot a big old buck last fall. We're going to talk about it, amongst other things. So bring the sunblock and the ice chest and meet us in the Kinder Outdoors Camp House Saturday morning at 9 right here, Sirius XM Channel 147. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I'm Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer. And uh, on today's show, we're going to be discussing diesel and uh, fuel delivery systems versus pump line nozzle, the old pump line nozzle system, and comparing it to common rail. But before that, I just want to add a caveat. Um, as you know, I record over here in the farmhouse on Cat Swamp Road on the farm, and my cat, Donald, We've been, this house we built about 25 years ago, and I've never had crickets in it. Uh, even in the farmhouse where I grew up that we still have, it's about 200 years old, we never had crickets in the house. And then the other day I had crickets in the basement here. 
where my office is, where I record. And I said, how do I get crickets in here? Well, then again, when I was getting ready to record today, I had the door open. We have a Bilko door down to the basement. And my cat Donald came in. And I said, saw him coming down the stairs, the concrete stairs. And I hear click, 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 click. Well, he brought in a cicada. So thankfully, thank God I was able to get the cicada out. But if you hear some crickets, I don't know where they are. And uh, it's a great, you know, I love the sounds of sound of crickets, but I don't know how good that is for a radio show. So, hey, it's, it's the real deal here, in, here on the farm. So I ask for your forgiveness in advance. Thank God it's not the cicada. But anyway, let's get back to diesel engines. And you know, the diesel engine has been a mainstay in the heavy-duty application in agriculture, in the trucking industry, the marine industry, uh, irrigation pumps, anything where you needed to have a, a very powerful engine that was fuel-efficient for the amount of work that it could do. And the diesel, so the diesel engine has been uh, predominantly on the farm for probably 40, 50 years now, probably from the, I think from around the 1960s, there was a conversion from gasoline to diesel. But uh, back years ago, the fuel delivery system was was relatively simple. It was an injection pump. It was there was a lift pump, and the lift pump would, would would deliver the fuel from the tank to the injection pump, and then the injection pump served a purpose of raising the fuel pressure and also timing and controlling the injection events. But it timed and controlled the injection events through the nozzles. And that's why it was called a pump line nozzle system, abbreviated PLN with hyphens in between. So there was the injection pump. The pump did not refer to the lift pump. It was the injection pump. There was the lines, the tubes that, that went from the injection pump to each nozzle. And there was the nozzle which had the injector assembly in it. And that sprayed the fuel into the cylinder. Now, the injection pump itself was for the most part early on 100% mechanical. As time went on, they became a hybrid type of system where they had some electronic controls in it. Even the mechanical ones may have had an electric fuel shut off uh, solenoid in it to shut fuel off, or it may have had a uh, enrichment circuit. Some pumps had an enrichment circuit when the engine was cold that had moved a, a passage in the pump and made the uh, made the fuel delivery richer. But for, for all intents and purposes, it was 100% mechanical. And if you really look at injection pumps, I've written some articles on them on my website, is that they really are an engineering marvel, and they're a mechanical, they are, they are a mechanical marvel. But what basically happened... I think I just heard a cricket. What, ba- what basically happened uh, was that um, over time, they moved away from that system and went to what's called common rail. Now, it needs to be understood that for you to truly understand a common rail injection system, which is the modern systems, you have to have some sort of foundation in the mechanical pump line nozzle system. So to oversimplify the pump line nozzle, and it really was a simple system, all right, is that the injection pump would take the low pressure fuel and build and increase it in pressure until the, the, the injector in the nozzle, the whole assembly is called a nozzle, and it gets confusing because we call them injectors, but the whole assembly is called a nozzle, but until the injector would pop open against spring pressure. So that is called the pop open pressure on the injector. 
and if you have if you have a pump line nozzle engine all right over time it be it may you may need to pull that pump off the engine and bring it to a pump shop and what they do is they go through that pump and they make sure that it's operating properly they clean it um they make sure that the advanced mechanism for the timing, because on a diesel on a pump line nozzle system the injection pump is both raising the fuel pressure to the point where the 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 nozzle will pop open and open up and spray fuel and also acts like a distributor and some people called it a distributor a fuel distributor on a distributor on on a gasoline engine on an ignition on a spark ignition engine so it had a timing function and it also had a pressure function now keep in mind that over time on a diesel engine pump line nozzle older diesel engine is that the the nozzle assembly with the injector in it will start to get dirty will start to wear and start to skew and what will happen is that when that skews then you will not get proper atomization of the fuel or the timing event will alter even though the pump timing the pump the pump itself is involved with the timing it's the pressure rise in the pump that is going to control when the injector opens and that is as called the pop open or pop off pressure and a good pump shop will take your nozzles if you if you remove them from the engine you give them to them and then they will put them on a bench they'll take them apart they'll do a leak test on it they'll do they'll do a whole bunch of tests they'll check the spray pattern and they will go inside those and they will set the pop-off pressures evenly and that's very very important for you especially you know you guys if you're running older pump line nozzle diesel engines which you know which is great i love them the thing is that keep in mind that 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 pop-off pressure will skew and you need to have those in those nozzles serviced so and the most of them some of them have shims in them there's different designs like anything in life but the thing is that some have shims some have adjustable spring pressure but regardless the paramount thing is to have the nozzles pop off at the same pressure so let's say arguably they're supposed to pop off and open at 1800 pounds then when that injection pump builds 1800 pounds that nozzle is supposed to pop off and when it pops off it's supposed to atomize the fuel properly so that's supposed to break the fuel remember atomization is breaking into small particles so it's not liquid anymore it's not a stream and that is a that what i found over the years is that's what a lot of people a lot of farmers people in agriculture people with diesel engines neglect there's two things that you need to do when you're running an older diesel engine is that you first of all have to additize the fuel with at least a lubricity additive and i've, I've said this in this on the show already in my idle chatter podcast ad nauseum all right you're you're tired of hearing it already but you need to do that because the modern ultra low sulfur diesel fuel does not have the same lubricity lubrication capabilities as when that older pump line nozzle engine was built and you don't want to have excessive wear in that injection pump and in those nozzles so it's you need to at least put a a fuel additive in that has a, a lubricity additive and i'll i don't want to take up the show on that trust me on it all right 
you need to do that. It's not expensive pennies per gallon. And you also need to at least use an additive that has some sort of detergent that cleans the, the injectors in the nozzles because two things will happen to the nozzle. The nozzle will get dirty. And when the nozzle gets dirty, it's not going to atomize the fuel properly and also will have a tendency to leak and will have a tendency to drip and will also drip the fuel just as it starts to pop open. You, as soon as that nozzle pops open, so if it's supposed to open up, but 1800 pounds as soon as it gets 1800 bam you want that spray to come like you press an aerosol can you don't want it as it starts to open to drip and then spray and that's all cleanliness of it so the pop-off pressure is is a concern but with that you need to go to a pump shop for that but as far as adding a detergent and keeping it clean and keeping it lubricated that goes a long long way that's like brushing your teeth and flossing and what have you instead of saying i don't brush my teeth i don't do anything and then i just wait five years i go to the dentist and have them all pulled out we don't want that because you're going to have a higher level of efficiency in that old diesel engine by having properly additized fuel clean injectors and then you know, depending upon the hours, whether it's a road vehicle, miles, it's, you're not going to pull those those nozzles out and send them out to a pump shop every every year. But if it's an older engine or if, or if it has a little bit of a pop or a miss in there, it doesn't seem to pull cleanly or you lug it under load, the first thing I would do is put an additive in, all right? And, and you're going to have to constantly use this additive. It's not a one-time treatment. And you say, okay, I did it in one-time treatment. Forget about it and keep those injectors clean. But the pop-off pressure, the, the best analogy that I can make would be a kin to having a spark ignition engine with differently gapped spark plugs, one at 35 thousandths, one at 90 thousandths, one at 10 thousandths. So the pop-off pressure is paramount. So keep them clean and then every once, every whatever, pull them out as needed and send them to a good fight. You should always have a, you should build a relationship. If you're farming with a pump line nozzle diesel engine, you should be building a relationship with a good pump shop. And if you don't know a good pump shop, then ask around at the cafe, ask your other farmer friends and find a good pump shop because over time, and if you're farming with older equipment, which is great, they're 10, 15, 20 years old, have a pump line nozzle system. It's time to go through that injection pump and it's time to go through those nozzles. All right, so that's pump line nozzle. Now we move to common rail. Basically common rail in so many ways is simpler than pump line nozzle it's simpler mechanically but it is more complicated electronically because like before they didn't even have any electronics so anything is more complicated and what they've basically done is that they mimic the pump the common rail diesel mimicked gasoline common gasoline fuel injection so if you look at a modern gasoline fuel injection system, all right, a port fuel injection system, that there was a, there's a fuel rail, and the fuel rail is the distribution that delivers the fuel to the nozzles, to the injectors, and the injectors attach to that common rail. So instead of having, so a rail in fuel injection is like a manifold. Think of it as a manifold. You could have a manifold on your sprayer, right? You bring all the, whatever comes out of a spray tank and your valves there and what have you, and uh, different zones off the sprayer. So that is a manifold. So, so a fuel rail is a manifold and there's injectors that are attached to that fuel rail and will go into each cylinder. But the difference with a common rail system is that fuel pressure itself is not being used. There are here the crickets. The fuel pressure itself is not being used to 
open the injector. The injector is opened electronically. It's an electromagnet, like a gasoline fuel injector. So yes, the common rail system runs very high pressure, but the system is opened up electronically. And a lot of systems also have some sort of hydraulic assist because they're running so much pressure. But what you need to understand is that with a common rail system, the dynamics of the injector response as it gets older, which we would call rise time, on a, on a pump line nozzle system, you really don't call it rise time, but in essence, it's the same. But the rise time in an electronic common rail common rail injector system is how quickly the magnetics build inside that winding because all this electromagnet build inside that winding and that pintle starts to move up off its seat and spray fuel so that is that is an issue with that so what happens is that when you have a pump line nozzle engine the the fuel delivery the fuel delivery and its timing is is rooted mainly in the injection pump the ancillary is what happens with the nozzle, whether it's dirty, whether the pop or pressure is the same or what have you. All right, so you have the capability of having some error come over the time, over years of use in that injection pump, wear items, dirt, what have you. On a common rail system, what happens is that the ECU makes a decision on when to open the injectors because it, it's it's the same diesel fuel. The dynamics of compression ignition have not changed. It's how the fuel is getting into the cylinder is changing. So that is hard-coded into the ECU. That's what we call the calibration. I spoke about it on this show many times. So that is so that is based upon sensor input. So what happens is that the dynamics to control the common rail injector is more based upon sensor input and really nothing mechanical other than the physical pintle moving in the injector because they're not they they have a high pressure pump which is just builds fuel pressure it doesn't open the injector because the injector is open as i said electronically so the thing that you need to keep in mind is that both both systems where is the crossover here both systems are going to be responsible for atomizing and fueling the cylinder the both systems will have the have the potential of getting deposits formed on them so you need to run a good additive with a detergent continuously not just brush your teeth once a year okay you need to do it and they because they will both not atomize the fuel properly if you don't have um if they get dirty all right and both of them still need lubricity because even though the common rail system is designed for the lower lubricity fuel what will happen is that fuel as i spoken before in the show has the potential to even lose more of its lubricity during transit and you do not want to have an injector stick or cause a problem so in essence what we were doing doing mechanically before we're now doing electronically and require a whole bunch of sensor imports to to decide what to do with the injector whereas that was all controlled before mechanically inside the injection pump This Urban Ag Report is brought to you by FMOWheels.com, the digital CSA for urban communities supporting urban farmers everywhere. Agriculture requires energy as an important input to production. Fuel or electricity is needed for machinery and equipment to heat or cool buildings, lighting on the farm, 
and indirectly in the fertilizers and chemicals produced off the farm. Crop operations consume much more energy than livestock operations, and energy expenditures for crops account for a higher percentage of farm operating costs. Direct energy consumption includes the use of diesel, electricity, propane, natural gas, and renewable fuels for activities on the farm. Solar energy can be used in agriculture in a number of ways, too. Solar energy can cut a farm's electricity and heating bills. Solar heat collectors can be used to dry crops and warm homes, livestock buildings, and greenhouses. This has been the Urban Ag Report on Rural Radio Sirius XM Channel 147. Follow us at urbanagreport.com. Pro Rodeo fans, watch the Cowboy Channel anytime, anywhere with PRCA on the Cowboy Channel Plus. Live stream the Cowboy Channel or watch your favorite PRCA rodeos on demand. Classic PRCA rodeos added weekly. Get the PRCA on the Cowboy Channel Plus for only $9.99 a month or save 25% by signing up for a full year. Visit CowboyChannelPlus.com to sign up and start streaming today. All right, welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. If you have any questions about pump line nozzle systems, went over it quickly, but gave you the basics there for you to understand the difference, and uh, just contact me at Hot Rod Farmer at FarmMachineryDigest.com. What we're going to do is you're going to get off easy today because I went long on that segment, but so you're not going to have a toolbox test. We're not going to have Tex Rubinowitz sing Hot Rod Man, but we're going to answer this letter from Ray Jensen in Idaho. And he says, I have a 1999 John Deere 8110 that I have owned since new. Recently, the batteries go dead after sitting for a few days. Do you think I should buy new batteries? Thanks. Well, the thing is that you don't just go buy Mr. Jensen respectfully. I don't know how old the batteries are, but the proper diagnostic procedure would be to first load test the batteries. But the fact of the matter, a battery that is becoming sulfated and becoming weak will not go dead over time. So the system either is not fully charging or has a draw on it. Now a weak, a sulfated battery, a battery that's getting old will not have enough cranking capacity. So let's say on a cold day and you need to crank the engine longer or something, or if you leave the lights on, it won't have, and this is for any, any application, not just a John Deere tractor, it won't have the reserve capacity. So what you basically need to do is check the charging system output first with a voltmeter. It should be about 14.6, 14.7 volts at idle and then raise it up if it's a little bit low two tenths of a volt and raise the idle speed up it should be about 14 14.7 at idle what i tend to think is happening <clears throat> is that you probably have a drawer on the system and what a drawer means it's saying something is staying on it may not be a light maybe a bad diode in the alternator what you simply need to do is to disconnect the battery ground cable and hook a a, a ammeter in series and then see what the drawer is and go around and start pulling fuses to see what shuts the drawer off. All right, you should probably have on a system like that, you'd probably have around two tenths of an amp draw because of the memory. Anything more than that, it's going to be a problem. Then go to the alternator and then disconnect the field circuit and see if the problem is there. Then it would be a bad diode. Listen, I want to thank you so much all for tuning in and know that the hot rod farmer is pulling for you, the American farmer and rancher and my beloved, beloved America. You have a blessed day. Thank you. Bye-bye.
This is the Agricultural Law and Tax Report. I'm Roger McOwen. Some farmers are being approached by solar energy developers seeking to convert farmland to solar-generated electricity facilities. What should you know before signing an agreement? I'll be back in a moment to discuss. Washburn Law School in Topeka, Kansas, allows students to complete their final year of law school online in a city or town of their choice. Choose Washburn for law school because ambition has no boundaries. Learn more at washburnlaw.edu. Farmers, Ag and Business Legal Strategies in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, has a chief financial strategist with over 30 years of banking experience to help farm families evaluate their financial positions and consider options to maintain profitability. Find him at wehelpfarmers.com. Here are five things to consider before signing a solar energy lease for your farmland. First, the lease will likely seek to tie up the property for a period of years while the developer arranges permits, funding, zoning, and other items necessary for construction. Make sure you are getting paid enough for any use restrictions during this time frame. Second, do the lease payments take inflation into account? Remember, these are long-term leases. What seems like a lot of money today may not be in the future. Third, understand that the developer is going to take any carbon tax credits. You might be giving up an enormous upside if these markets take off and companies are willing to pay farmers to sequester carbon as part of their farming activities. Fourth, will the developer keep the solar facility maintained to your standards? This includes noxious weed control. Fifth, will a developer provide a removal bond? This is to protect you and your heirs from getting stuck with a field full of worn-out solar panels and no contracts to sell power. Just some things to think about before signing that solar energy lease. This has been the Agricultural Law and Tax Report. I'm Roger McGowan. The Better Horses Radio Show, every Wednesday and Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern. We talk about God, horses, rodeos, and equine health, along with horse training tips, veterinary tips, and more. So be sure to listen to Better Horses Radio every Wednesday and Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern on Rural Radio Channel 147.